Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, a weekly interview show about art, craft, and creativity. I produce it in the hope that it will help all of us live long and crafty lives. This episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast is sponsored by the new Montreal Craft Mafia, and they want to get the word out. You're invited, folks, to the Fringe Bazaar, June 21st and 22nd, where you'll find more than 60 crafters and artists waiting to show you their beautiful handmade items and savoir-faire. For more information on the Montreal Craft Mafia and their events, head over to www.craftmafiamontreal.com. So let's get to it, folks. It's time to craft sanity. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 80 of the Craft Sanity Podcast. I am very, very, very excited about this week's show because it's going to be an apron love fest. We have not just any guest. We have the woman who created the Emmeline apron. Now, if you watched my blog, say, around February when I was just Emmeline apron crazy, going all around town in my Emmeline apron... Yes, we have Meg McAwee on the show this week, and I am so excited. She's a 27-year-old crafting genius living in Mexico, but only for a little while longer. She's actually going to be moving back to the United States, to Durham, North Carolina. Her story is just so interesting because she taught at a Montessori school in Mexico and started this blog that you've probably heard of, Montessori by Hand, and... She's going to kind of tell the story of what her initial intentions were for the blog. She has a new pattern that's for sale. It's her Lola pattern, and this is based on a vintage apron, and you'll be able to see pictures over at craftsanity.com, and I'm going to post links over to Meg's page as well. We're going to give away some patterns, folks, for the Lola apron, which I'm really excited about. Grab a project, folks. Settle in for a nice long chat with Meg. And at the end, make sure you hang out to the end, and we'll tell you how to get into the drawing to win a Lola pattern. So, yes, it's going to be very, very fun. Well, Meg, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, and I'm actually wearing my Emmeline right now. Actually, this isn't mine. This is not mine even. I'm testing out. Uh, the way I'm justifying wearing someone else's apron is um, I made one for my sister for her birthday, and oh. I'm like, oh, I got to I gotta make sure that the stitching's secure, right? Um. <laughs> that's not right. You have to get quality, quality testing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's so funny because I put it on, I'm like, oh, that's really cute, and then I'm like, oh, no, I have an interview to do, and I just ran up the stairs. Um, so, yeah, but I won't, I won't be wearing oh, hers. Thank you, thank you so much for having me, and, and uh, I look forward to, to our chat. Yeah, well, I think this is going to be fun because people are, you know, the word has spread on the internet about your very awesome designs and your your apron, the Emmeline apron has been very, very popular. And I know that you were, you created that under the name Montessori by hand and you've just switched to So Liberated. Why don't you explain that? And we'll, we'll do that first and then we'll kind of go backtrack through your, your craft and art history. And uh, But why don't sure. you explain to people a little bit about your business and um, the name change? Okay, well, I started off, um, about a year and a half ago, just very innocently as a Montessori teacher who enjoyed making didactic material for her classroom and making little aprons for my students to wear and whatnot. And, uh, and that's actually a big part of the Montessori philosophy is, is having a handmade 
beautiful environment for the children. And so I had this idea to start up a blog for the Montessori community, um, you know, other teachers, homeschooling moms, families, and and I went to a big uh, conference. It was actually the 100th anniversary of the opening of the first Montessori school. So I went to a conference in San Francisco in February of 2007, and that's when the whole thing kind of started. I announced at the conference that I was starting this little blog, kind of as a resource for other teachers and whatnot, and, and I would be having ideas and tutorials on how to make materials and whatnot. So it started off that way, um, very Montessori-focused. Um, and my idea was for it to be a kind of a collaborative project. So I would, other teachers and people interested in making materials, providing tutorials and whatnot, and actually co kind of co-authoring the blog with me. Mm -hmm. It turns out that that was, that I was a little like, naive um, <laughs> because I, I ended up, I mean, obviously, writing the whole thing and doing all of the tutorials myself and whatnot. So after um, about six months of that, I decided, you know, I'm the one that's writing this blog. It, it kind of should be my blog. You know, like I should, I should express my my own voice and and have my own interests kind of kind of shine through. Um, and that meant kind of. Uh, not leaving Montessori behind, but adding to it and, and letting it be known that I am generally very interested in crafting and in sewing and in other projects. Mm -hmm. and, and I have a life beyond Montessori, too. So uh, then you know, the, the focus didn't necessarily shift from Montessori, but it became a wider focus. And, and that was really nice um, because... Of course, the community opened up to me as well, the whole crafting community. I mean, I had been reading crafting blogs maybe for about a year prior to that. I, I just discovered them. Kristen, um, Kristen Nicholas was actually the first blog that I, that I started reading. I know that she was one of your guests a while back. Yeah, she was on the show recently, yeah. Yeah, she was the first one I started reading, and so I, I kind of opened myself up to that community. I was, I was really amazed by the response that I got. Um, because, you know, there are so many people in the crafting community who are also interested in, you know, living a slower life, uh, a, a, a life that's more, you know, focused on the basics and getting back to handmade, kind of putting aside commercialism, and, and with mothers who are interested in, in a holistic approach to motherhood. So, so that opened my eyes. Um, to the whole kind of mothering, crafting community, and I've just been blown away. So I, I ended up changing my name to So Liberated um, not that long ago, only a few weeks ago, and I switched over my blog from blogger to typepad, which was, oh my gosh, <laughs> such a nice change. <laughs> now I can respond to comments and everything yeah. uh, when I have the time. I switched it over to So Liberated first because I was selling the, pad, the sewing patterns they weren't necessarily Montessori related. I didn't really want to get into the whole, you know, well, I didn't really want to use Montessori for my business purpose. You know, I, I didn't want to have that, um, I don't know, like as a, I, I, I didn't want to help, have Montessori help me to market my sewing patterns, which I saw, saw as kind of a, a different thing. So I went ahead and changed the name, and I really am happy with the name. I think it is kind of, 
emblematic of, of how I feel about the whole handmade movement mm-hmm. um, being like at once kind of modern and traditional, um, a, a modern view of feminism and in that, you know, we don't need to necessarily, I mean, this is fine, you know, I, I have so much respect for women in the, the whole movement that of course was generation prior to mine. <laughs> My mother's generation, mm-hmm. who took that big step and said, you know, we can work outside the home and we can do all of this. Uh, we, we are totally capable of everything that a man is capable of. And at the same time, I totally love the new movement, which is kind of feminism as a return to, you know, it's okay to be a mom, you know. It, mm-hmm. is, it is awesome to be a mom. It's awesome to do work. It's, it's a way to kind of validate what we are capable of and all, you know, all the entire spectrum from working in, you know, the corporate world to, to being a stay-at-home mom. And I think all of those ways are, are extremely wonderful ways to express our femininity. We're at a really, really great point in history for women because um, women, you know, had to work, our mother's generations had to work so hard to prove they could handle the job and the family and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And now that women have clearly proven that, you know, a thousand times over, it's uh-huh. nice to be in a position that we're in right now where we can make that choice to say, you know what, right. we don't have to do both. You don't have to go crazy. Cause I was one of the women going crazy working full time. I was in a master's program oh. full time and I had two kids while I was in a graduate school and working full time. <laughs> I was going nuts, you know, but yeah. I was, I was completing everything I had to get done on my list, my to-do list, but I was feeling like I was going to go mm-hmm. insane, you know. Um, so it's nice to it have that book. Yeah, I'm not sure who the author is, but it's called The Second Shift, mm-hmm. the, where where they kind of exposed that that women were doing. Of course, they were, were go outside of the home working, and they were coming home and and continuing to do all of the work that they had done before entering the workforce. So you know, it's it's uh, it is big responsibility, but it is amazing now. And I'm, you know, so grateful for my mother's generation and the generations prior to my, you know, my grandmother's generation and whatnot who went out and did all that work. And I mean, it's just incredible. But again, how lucky we are mm-hmm. to be able to, to do both if we want to, to work out of the home if we want to, and to stay at home, you know, if we are able to fiscally and, and whatnot. So, yeah, that's yeah. the big challenge is the fiscal part of it, you know. Yeah. What I'd like to do is kind of go back to the part where I usually start with most guests. You could tell me a little bit about your personal history in art and craft. Did you grow up at your grandmother's knee making things, or did your mother teach you some things, or how did this all evolve for you? Actually, it's kind of funny. Um, no, my grandmother, and she jokes about this, my grandmother doesn't really know how to sew or <laughs> knit or anything. <laughs> she's, like, asking me now, and, of course, she, she has trouble now with her arthritic hands, but she's very interested in this whole movement because, you know, she, she was of of the, uh, the wow, that is that is so something my mother would do, and I'm not going to do that kind of uh, <laughs> attitude when she was younger. Yeah. So no, I did not learn from my grandmother. I I learned from my mom. My mom was my first teacher. My mom learned to sew when she was uh, a teenager. And she came from a very you know, working class family, and they did not have a lot of extra cash. And my mom, being a typical teenager, wanted to look cool. So she decided that she was going to make her own clothes, and and it kind of started from from that. I mean, she taught herself essentially how to sew. Wow! And so when I was growing up, you know, she she made so many of my clothes. I have all of these little baby clothes that 
that have those little tags in it that say made with love by mommy. Oh, how cute. <laughs> I love, um, I'm hoping that I have a, a girl, a little girl one day so I could uh, use those clothes those on. Yeah, that'll be <laughs> but, wonderful. Um, yeah, so my mom taught me a lot of the basics. And I was in 4-H when I was a, a kid too for a few years. And I ended up taking a sewing course part of 4-H. So I learned some there too, but uh, my big entrance into the sewing scene, and I think, like, coincidentally, uh, it, well, it has some, some pattern-making implications to my pattern-making future, was when I was in fifth grade, um, I had made this outfit. I, do you remember in the 80s when you had those T-shirts that you would, like, just a white basic T-shirt, and then you'd sew a V onto the back of uh, onto the inside of the t-shirt oh. and then, uh, of cotton and then you cut the jersey mm-hmm. and like fringe it right right oh, oh it was so cool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was I, your one of your first big projects that was one of my first public crafting projects because i made a pair of cotton shorts to match and this really like gaudy lavender floral print um, <laughs> and that day i was like you know i was gonna wear my outfit that i made Coincidentally, like a few days prior to that, I had been to the dentist. I had braces. And they said, well, you know, you're going to have to wear headgear for uh. X number of <laughs> months. Um, you can either decide to wear the headgear 24 hours a day and be done with the, the treatment in, I don't know, four months. Or you can wear it just night and be done in eight months. So I was like, ah, I'm going to wear it 24 hours a day. <laughs> So I go go to school, and this is the day of the county math competition. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I go to the county math competition um, with my headgear and my fluorescent, like, rubber bands over my braces (laughs) and um, and my 80s, like, jersey. Uh, Oh, no, it was just really funny. (laughs) I ended up, I think, winning something in some prize in the geometry category. Um, And so there's this picture of me. My mom has a cutout in our local newspaper of me in this horrible outfit with my (laughs) headgear on, with my, like, my ribbon from the math competition. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, my gosh, what was I thinking? (laughs) Well, you know what, though? What I take away from that is a sign that you you kind of did your own thing and weren't, because there are some kids who would be completely paralyzed by the thought of, having to wear headgear and yeah, like, no, oh, I can't I mean, be seen in it. And I can't, you know, you just kind of did your thing, you know, rack on. You know, I, ha- I have to reveal something. After that day, I didn't wear my headgear during the day anymore. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so you went to, you switched from the four month plan to the eight month plan. I opted plan. for the longer treatment. Oh, I something see. So things have happened. Yeah, <laughs> well, I can, I can totally understand because I did the braces thing with the fluorescent bands in my teeth, which I thought looked really cool oh, at the time, but I'm just thinking to myself. So cool. But, at yeah. the, but looking back, I'm thinking, why did I want to attract more attention to the fact that I was wearing braces? Uh, As if know. the big metal and thing to my teeth wasn't wasn't enough of a sight. I'd have to put pink fluorescent rubber bands around those, and it's just insane. <laughs> you know, and I thought it was really cool at the time, you know. Got real excited about picking well, different colors, but, man. Yeah, we were victims of a... Of a really well, it was odd. a bad time, especially my, yeah. I mean, my hairstyles back then. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And, you know, it's just an awkward phase, too. I mean, I was in fifth grade, so that would have made me, what, 11 years old. You know that phase where your teeth are too, your nose are too big for your... <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, because I'm you're you're what twenty seven now? You said. Yeah. Okay, I'm thirty one. So I I was I was in the more awkward phase. <laughs> the, the years I had that, that it gets a little bit rougher before it gets easier. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then after that, you pretty much either survive or you don't. You know, your teenage years. Right. <laughs> Yeah. To survive. You hope that there weren't too many photo documents. Oh that. my gosh. Survival yeah. Documents. I'm glad my parents don't take didn't take pictures like I take pictures. I mean, my girls like are documented every day and I would have oh, yeah. could you imagine if your mom's snapping pictures of you with headgear on all day long? I mean, I mean that's going to that's going to yeah. be me. I mean, snapping pictures of my children, the poor girls. Well, you know, there is some advantage to having film. <laughs> right, cuz there can't be nearly as much evidence. To, you you have to think I I am going to be spending money on developing this film and purchasing this film. Is this picture really worth taking? Right, and I think my parents really didn't feel the need to snap pictures all day long. But I'm glad, though. I'm, I'm, there's some things I wish I had more pictures of, but the racist phase, not so much. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it sounds like, um, but the geometry thing, obviously you had a knack for. I mean, that's going to come in with pattern making later in your life. Yeah, it seems you know, like. Interesting enough, I mean, I, I I really don't like any math other than geometry. I still I love I love geometry. I love spatial um, <laughs> spatial things, and um, I attribute it a lot to my own Montessori um, schooling as a young child. Um, they have we have a lot of kind of sensorial material for for geometry, and and uh, yeah, I I really love it. it. I I feel like it's it's a big um, challenge to take uh, a vision that you have on, in your head on paper and figure out what shapes you need to, to make to, to make it look like, like it needs to look. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a skill that not everyone has, so that's, that's great yeah, that you can I, do that. I, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's fun. It, it can be frustrating. I mean, there, there have been times when, when I've spent just weeks and weeks and weeks trying to figure it out. It's a big puzzle, but um, but it's fun, and I'm still totally learning. You know, I mean, my my goal would be to um, to really uh, to you know take a pattern making course because I, again, like I feel like you know I'm offering uh, in my patterns. Um, I feel like there are advantages and disadvantages to this, but you know what I'm basically offering is is someone who sews. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be explaining this to you, not in like pattern making lingo. Um, but just just how I understand it, you know, right? Almost like you're how... explaining it on paper to a friend of yours, like, "Hey, follow these instructions, and you'll end up with," um, which actually yeah. seems to be a little easier to follow. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, since it's not, especially for people that aren't, you know, really experienced when it comes to using patterns. Um, mm-hmm. I find I found your pattern easy to follow, so I thought that was really. And the, and the outcome was so, the reward was so wonderful. Um, <laughs> I have the messenger oh, bag, the messenger bag um, pattern too. I just haven't had a chance to make that one. And uh, I'm a total bag lady, so I'm kind of afraid of what I'm going to fill the bag with when I make it. So I'm kind of like, okay, perhaps I'll just stick to aprons too. for a little I'm while. I'm the bag lady, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah my, my, my husband's Patrick, you know, it's always like, what, what, what? <laughs> You bought another bag, or you made another bag. You know, what are you going to use that for? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a scary thing has happened. Like I started, I tried to, you know, switch. I'm trying to switch over to the cloth shopping bags. Um, mm-hmm. But what's happened is since I have all these cloth shopping bags now, or even like places like Target have 
a, a bag that you can use that's, um, you know, it's a, re- a, re- a reusable bag. I'm finding that I'm taking these bags and I'm filling them up with other things. And, like, I go to work and I have my normal work bag and then I have my one of my shopping bags loaded with stuff. And it's like, wait a minute. I wasn't carrying this last week. Why do I suddenly need it now every day? <laughs> so, so I'm afraid that the more, um, you know, I'm trying to be, uh, you know, kind of earth conscious here. And it seems like uh-huh. I'm just adding bags to my repertoire. It's ridiculous. So um, Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's uh, funny to hear. I mean, I, I am looking forward to moving back to the U.S. Um, for various reasons. But I'm glad to hear that, that they really are moving towards that. Yeah, there are a lot of, st- like, um, I know. In the Midwest, we have, well, in uh, Michigan in particular, we have Meyer stores, which is like a giant super. Oh, I'm familiar with Meyer. Yeah, Meyer, and um, it's yeah. actually headquartered here in West Michigan, and uh, they even have the reusable shopping bags now, too. So wow, that, it's catching that's so on. Because I, I, I went to school at Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana, and that was like the big outing going to Meyer. Yeah. And that was a big kind of a culture shock to me growing up in Northern California in kind of an artsy, sexy community where. Everything was was granola from Chi Hippie, and you know we had our 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 local market called um, what was it called back then uh, Good Earth or something like that. You know all these organic way before this whole like movement hit, and then going to Meyer was like, wow, I must be living in the Midwest now. <laughs> right, right, with the plastic bags and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah well they're yeah. they're trying to be. Um, a little more earth friendly now, and um, it just it, it cracks me up though how I'm just kind of accumulating now reusable bags. Um, <laughs> but, but it sounds like you kind of went your own way in school, kind of deciding that you're gonna try to make you know starting with that really killer outfit you had um, for, <laughs> for the big math competition. Um, now, how did that? I mean, how did kids, students react to your outfit? I don't know if you can separate the outfit from the headgear. Um, if they're two separate, I mean, if there's two separate things, I mean, did any of your friends think, wow, that's really great, yeah. you made it yourself, or did people just uh, think, you know, gee whiz, what's going on with this girl? I, I don't know if other people have this experience, or if it was just my sort of unfortunate experience, but I, I guess it maybe, it maybe it was. I went to a really small school. Um, I had, like, went through first through eighth grade with the same 20 children. Yeah, I had that experience myself. Yeah, you survived? Yeah, I survived, and I actually Good. don't think I – I don't really see any of the people because I moved um, to the other part of the state, so I don't really see the people that oh, I went really? to school with. But, yeah, we were um, together for a very long time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I still see them because whenever I go back back home, you know, to visit my parents, a lot of them are still there. So yeah. yeah. I, I keep up, but, but what happened to me as a young child um, – was I, I, you know, I was really, art, really artistic. I, I think if, if you were interviewing my mom, she would say, you know, I've, I've always known that she was going to be an artist from the very beginning, you know. Um, but I just loved drawing and, and working with my hands and, and even sculpture. If I remember, I had the science project in second grade that was, um, and, and I ended up doing, well, you know, what kind of, um, what kind of uh, nectar do hummingbees, uh, hummingbirds prefer? You know, is it red or blue or, you know, did it depend on the color? But most, but I wasn't really interested in the whole science project part of it, but I'm, I remember my mom getting me this wax, um, this kind of colored wax, and I would, uh, I spent days uh, molding a hummingbird out of this wax. Oh, wow. For my model. And so... Like I just, I just loved the whole, the whole process of it, and 
and I just kind of entered into the zone, you know. I mean, I, I was the youngest of four children. Um, my brothers are a good deal older than me, so it's almost like I was the only child, I'm, I'm, um, especially because I was the only child. Um, I had a lot of time. My, you know, my brothers were off playing soccer, doing their kind of older teenage things, and I was, I was at home. You know, I was, and I would just get into my projects, and hours and hours and hours doing these projects. And, and so, you know, I get into school and whatnot, and, and I, I just love doing this. But there, I don't know if it was like I said because it was a small school or whatnot, but I got a lot of response from people like, "Oh, I hate you. You're so good at art," <laughs> and I was like, "Oh." That's no fun. So, like, I mean, at a certain point in time, you know, I, I stopped making, like, art, my art so so public, I would mm-hmm. say. Like, I did it on my spare time. And when I got into high school, I kind of shift my, shifted my focus and, and left some of that creative side behind me. You know, I joined the sports and did this and that. Um, did you miss it? I did miss it. Um, I mean, fortunately for me... I guess I, I had I had a lot of interest as a child, so it wasn't it wasn't like just the art. And the right, you were thing. always doing some other thing. Yeah, and and the big thing during that phase, during my high school phase, um, was was my involvement in the high school choir. Um, and music is still like, if I were to have to say like, what are my what are my passions in life? Like music would probably be number one or two, right along with you know child development. Uh, arts and crafts and creativity would probably be third, actually. Yeah, I, I mean, music is is the driving force in my life, and it's, like, so uplifting. So do you get to, um, are you in a choir now, or do you get to, do you perform at all? <laughs> yes, I perform in 18, uh, three to six-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's performing. That's some high-pressure stuff, too. You have to be really engaging and... Uh, quite entertaining. Yeah, you know, we sing all the rappy songs. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Well, yeah, then you're all uh, set for when you have to entertain your own children. If you can sing, because yeah, my kids actually, I mean, my kids actually asked me to stop singing. And it's so funny oh, when you really? have, when oh, I'm a, I have a horrible voice. I mean, I don't blame them a oh. bit. But it's so funny because one time Abby goes, um, Mama, maybe, maybe it'd be better if you didn't sing. <laughs> And, and, I'm, and, I just, she's, and she's three or four. She's, she just turned four. And I just started laughing because I'm like, yeah, it probably might be better. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's and just. I'm so, sure she just did it out of just, just total honesty. Well, she did. I mean, she totally did. And that's the thing that's so funny about it is I, I mean, and fortunately, I don't have that whole American Idol delusion going on where, you know, you see the people who try out and they clearly have no talent at all. And they seem to be rather kind of in the dark about their lack of talent. When it comes to singing, I try to spare people as much as I can from being exposed <laughs> to my voice. And, um, you know, it just kind of cracked me up because uh, so she was like, yeah, I don't think. So that's, that's a, I mean, that's one thing that if I could sing, I would never stop. I mean, I'm, seriously, I would, I mean, I think that's a beautiful, um, just wonderful talent that people have. And it's so grounded. I mean, you know, but I, I, and my, my husband will chuckle at this because uh, when we first started dating, you know, he's actually very musical as well. He's an excellent pianist. He, you know, plays classical music and whatnot. He's trying to learn some jazz improv now, and that was one of the one of the things that we brought down to Mexico with us when we moved from the city was uh, was a piano. Oh, that's <laughs> not, awesome! Not a 
not an uprider, it's electric Yamaha piano, but a, a good quality piano, and that's kind of the focal point of our little home here. Oh, that's cool. So what, what led you there? How did you end up in Mexico? Oh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a question. Um, I, is your husband from Mexico? <laughs> nope, his name is Patrick McElwee, so okay. that would... Okay, yeah, so that would... Direct yeah. Irish descent. Right, okay, so yeah, yeah, so he, so he has no Mexican connections here. Um, so no, no how did connection. so how did you guys end um, up? My my maternal grandfather is a hundred percent Mexican. Okay. Um, he was actually born in the U.S. Just barely. All his other siblings were born in Mexico. My great grand grandfather was a railroad worker, um, so they moved to Calusa, California, which is in the Central Valley of California. He worked on the railroad railroad, and my great grand had you know, kept chickens and, and did all the things that's just interesting now, like I see my neighbors doing, you know, my great-grandmother did that, but so many years ago, I mean, the, the way of life in mean, rural Mexico, rural Mexicans hasn't, hasn't changed that much. Um, so, um, and then my grandfather, uh, at age, I believe, 17, he could have been 17, um, married my, my grandmother, who was from across the road tracks, you know what I mean? Like, my grandmother was from a, from a white, you know, middle-class family, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a big scandal, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so they got married. Um, my mom was born, and my grandfather uh, was shipped off to, to fight the war in Korea. So in the early 50s. Um, and my grandmother had to work um, kind of to make ends meet when my grandfather was, was away. So my mother spent her, her first several years of life, maybe first three or so of life, um, in the care of, of her little Mexican grandmother, my great-grandmother, a um, little four-foot, ten-inch woman, um, just tiny, tiny little lady, um, <laughs> but a really big heart from what I hear. And she didn't speak a word of English. My, my great-grandmother. So my mom's first language growing up, the first one she learned was Spanish. And um, my grandfather came back from the war in Korea, and he, um, a lot, which was, which was kind of the, 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 a movement of the, or con, I guess, among, among um, immigrants and Americans of, of different um, cultural um, roots. Mm-hmm. The drive was to become American. Um, not not to become an America which which is um, you know diverse and and which supports and and values all of these different cultures, but the the point was well we need to become American and by American we need to become a white middle class you know we need to live in the suburbs and do all this stuff. Um, so my grandfather came back from Korea and my mother was uh, no longer in the care of her great grandmother daily. Um, my grandmother stopped and didn't need to work anymore, um, had more children, and they basically made a decision, which I think that my grandfather uh, really regrets now. I mean, I've talked to him about this, um, but, you know, it's, it, that they made a decision that Spanish shouldn't be spoken in the home. Oh, wow. They, they needed to be seen as American. And, and you know, I pardon, under, you know, understand that because, you know, my, my grandma, grandfather was subject to a lot of, you know, racism 
and whatnot. And and he even changed his name. His name is Alonso Miguel, and he changed his name to Mike. You know, he doesn't doesn't go by his Spanish name. He goes by Mike. It, it cut out a little and, bit. So if you can say, what was your grandfather's name? His it just Adolfo Miguel Cortez. Okay, and he changed it to Mike. And, yeah, now yeah. he's now he's Mike. Um, so. Um, you know, my mom forgot her Spanish. Um, so there, there's been, I feel like, I feel like it's kind of a broken link. Mm-hmm. Um, we still have, I grew up with a traditional Mexican kind of a, a ritual during Easter time. We have a pinata and we have these, these confetti eggs. You know, we fill, we dump out the yolk, let them dry, fill them with confetti, and then tape a, a bit of tissue paper, or sorry, glue a bit of tissue paper over the hole. And then you hide the eggs like a regular, regular egg hunt, and the kids all go out with their, with their um, paper bags and gather up as many eggs as you can. Except the fun is not there. You then you get to go smash these eggs on everyone's heads. So, <laughs> so like I did grow up with some fun traditional Mexican um, customs, and an extended family that did speak a bit of Spanish. Um, so I always had this drive, and I always loved languages. Always always wanted to kind of rediscover my, my own Mexican roots. I'm only a quarter Mexican, but, but when this job opportunity came up, um, I, I, we kind of jumped in. Um, my husband and I wanted to take some time to, um, to, live, a, to live abroad, abroad, well, below the border, <laughs> um, before we had our own, our own children. Um, when we, we were able to, we weren't like really tied down in our jobs. Um, and, you know, we made a decision, the two of us, really early on that, you know, we were just going to, you know, try and live simply, and um, which means, you know, we don't really worry that much about, you know, careerism or, you know, are we going to be able to make be making this much money by this time? Mm-hmm. You know, we just kind of want to make a decision to live a little more simply um, uh, with, with uh, enjoying time, you know, looking at time as, as a better resource than money. Um, so so we, we, we kind of made that decision. It was a big decision. Husband left his, his job in Washington, D.C., um, and we moved down here. And he didn't have a job. He was volunteering in the indigenous community in the area. And I get paid down here, like, about 100 U.S. dollars a month. Oh, wow. Which is... But does that, not that much, how so, far does that go so, though in Mexico? Does that, does that go? Because I mean, um, we think of like what a hundred dollars would do for a month here, and that would be really hard to get by on a hundred dollars. But is it a little bit easier there to get by on a hundred dollars, or? Well, it, five or five hundred. Oh, five hundred. So, I was gonna say because that seems like really cha- okay. So five hundred dollars. No, no. But that still that still is isn't a lot. Challenge. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, it, you know, we live somewhat comfortably here in Mexico, I and mean, we li- we make enough money to pay for internet. Um, which is kind of a luxury in and of itself. But, um, but yeah, when we first moved down here, we were, like, saving up our pesos uh, <laughs> to be able to move back because we didn't have any money. And so it, it's just like, wow, it's really serendipitous. Who would have thought that, that um, my husband would have been able to work? Now, now he's working for his old boss in D.C. online as if he were in Washington, D.C. still. Um, and, you know, I, I, I am doing this pattern, this pattern business, which, which has been just a real, like, 
I just feel really fortunate to have found that little niche. Now, is that um, is your pattern business become more of a job for you than I mean, is this t- is this become because uh, it must be challenging to to do both things? It's really challenging. Like I, I, I mean, there are days when I just I really struggle <laughs> to get it all done um, because you know I I, I am a full-time teacher essentially um and and there's this you know that that has to come first and the right. children are are uh, dependent on me to you know to be present you know mentally and, and emotionally right um and you know at the same time you know i i have all of these signs and all of these ideas in my head and I do it all on kind of a limited, um, just a limited time. I mean, I, I work on the weekends. I work when I get home school. It's, it, 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 it makes my, my downtime, certainly, because it way into my downtime. Right, um, right, where you almost have no downtime because your downtime you're filling with your other projects. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it can be a real challenge. And, and, and I'm also, like, challenged. And I, I feel I wish I had more time to, you know, respond personally to, you know, comment all of my comments on my blog. But especially like very recently, I just, I just had to kind of let that go and like realize like I'm not super and I can't do it all. Right. <laughs> this is, and this I think people, <laughs> people, I think people understand that. I mean, you would hope that. I mean, because you're not, you're not doing pattern design and crafting full time. You know, you have other things that you have to get done, and those kids are important to you, and that's why you're. You know, to make sure that you're not checking yeah. email in between lessons at work or at your job. You know, <laughs> right? Just a second, kids. I got to see what they think of the Emmeline. You know, yeah. Right. So. Right. <laughs> well, how is that? I mean, what was the first pattern that you put out there? The first pattern that you offered for sale? Um, actually, it was uh, two of them together. I I came out actually three of them together. I came out with PDF downloadable versions of the reading pillow and the Maytai baby carrier and another uh which i'm actually in the process of reworking now and making it um different sizes and adding another style to it and the little hat that will go with it and i'm going to publish that as a um, as a written as a printed pattern um coming up you know once i move back to to the u.s i'm not going to put that that much pressure on myself to get it out now so those were the first ones that I came up with. How, how quickly and, did did your life change? Like, did, did things pick up and you realize, like, you were on to something? How, how soon, well, how long did it take? Well, I mean, I think it really happened with the MLI Nathan. Yeah. Truthfully. <laughs> and I that mean, was, how, how I, recently I was that? that how, remind me how recently that that, that was, the MLI. That was. That was in um, February, the end okay. of February. Because I know I got even. on that right away. Because, um, <laughs> um, yeah. The I... apron looks so cute. I love it. Well, I, I've <laughs> and had... I love that you wear your aprons out. I do. I, I do. In fact, I'm going to a fashion show after we talk, and I'm not in it, of course. I'm just, um, I've been invited since I write a column for the paper. And um, anyway, I'm going to. Uh, to see, I know that one of the, the organizer and she invited me to come to this thing, and I'm I'm gonna not wear my sisters because that's not very nice. As much as tempted as I am to wear my sisters because it's orange polka dots, which I love, and um, uh-huh. I can't do that. I'm gonna wear, but I'm gonna wear my Emmeline, the one I need to make another one for myself because I have to say I wear it so much. I need to, I need to have a few to change, <laughs> interchange here. <laughs> but oh. they're kind of like I really I think the design is so cute because 
it really dresses up a pair of jeans, you know. And I've run into people. We've actually had a heated debate um, um, at Craft Club about this. Um, there's a woman who is in her 50s and just saying, Jennifer, I don't know why in the world you'd want to go around with a symbol of female d domesticity, right. you know, d donning this, this thing. Why would you want to do that? I mean, why would you even, you're the last person I would think who would want to do that. And the way mm -hmm. I explain it is that basically when women wear aprons out and you're not cooking, you're not cleaning, you're just out. If yeah. they look pretty and you feel like it, it, it's a, it makes you happy, why not, uh -huh. you know? Um, so, totally. Yeah, yeah. So I'm all about I mean, that. I, I, I certainly, I wear an apron to, uh, at work every day. So for you, it's not exactly uh, like a recreational thing. <laughs> yeah. No, but. it's not recreational. And, and if I wore it out, out in my little town, I mean, this is, this is like a one-horse town. Here, right, right. <laughs> totally rural and i would i mean people would people would totally think i was crazy yeah but see if anything <laughs> so that's when more I move back to the u.s i will i worry but you know actually, if i had um... designed this apron i would probably wear it every day seriously i'm that <laughs> proud of this and i didn't even design it i mean seriously because i think it's it's really it's really wonderful and i and i like when people ask me like is that an apron and i'll say yeah it is they're like oh <laughs> yeah. and then they ask questions they'll be kind of like well why do you wear that and i'm like why not um, you know, you should try it sometime, you know, and then, you know, I get email from people saying, yeah, you'll be so proud of me. I wore my apron out somewhere and I just laugh because I'm like, that's so cool. You know, that people are, are doing that because I think they want to, but they're just reluctant. Isn't, isn't there like a, a national wear your apron? Oh, I would love that. Day? I would totally love that because I think it, it goes against convention and I really like when something's harmless and goes against con convention because it's not really an offensive thing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I don't have the F word printed on my apron or anything. I mean, it's just, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it's just totally, and if it offends somebody, if my pretty apron offends somebody when I walk past them, then uh -huh. so be it. But I was, last summer, before your apron came out, I had made this, I was wearing like a lot of half aprons mm -hmm. in the summertime and I went to a street art fair here in Grand Rapids and I was collecting cards because I had high hopes of starting this craft column which I wasn't sure was going to happen but I was hoping uh -huh. so I went and collected business cards from some of the vendors and I had this apron on and I was walking down the street and I was kind of I looked at this one girl her booth and she had like um refashioned like pillowcase dresses and shirts and stuff and uh -huh. there's some other people around so I kind of looked and thought okay I'll stop there on the way back you know I just kind of kept going well I got past her her booth and then all of a sudden I hear this voice say I wear aprons too. <laughs> and it was because we had made eye, eye contact, but we didn't say anything. And it, she was kind of smiling. And I'm thinking a lot of people were giving me weird looks about my aprons. I was kind of like, okay, another person, you know, sizing up the apron, you know. But then it was like she wanted to say something, but she didn't. And I whip around. And you would have thought we were like twin sisters separated at birth because I was like, oh my gosh, you wear aprons. She's like, yeah, I don't have one on today, but I love doing that. And so I, like, exchanged information, and I ended up not – I got to try to track her down. You know, that's just really fun when you find somebody that's kind of a kindred spirit, you know. And yeah. had I not worn my oh, apron that great. day, I never would have had that conversation, you know. So I've met some delightful people wearing aprons out, and um, I get so many I'll compliments. Totally you. I'll totally join you. I will definitely join you as soon as I get across that border. <laughs> <laughs> so you can start. Well, you know, for you, it'll be great advertising, too. Because, when, no, seriously, when people see the apron, you know, and I do tell people, I'll, I'll tell people, oh, you can make it, you know, the pattern's online, blah, 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 and I tell people, and, um, yeah, I mean, I think it, for you, it'd be great effort, because you say, yeah, I made it, give me your card, you know, strike up a conversation. <laughs> yeah, and I have to figure out a way, and I didn't want to destroy your design, but I, I would like to have pockets. And I'm not sure. Ah, I'm not. Totally put on pockets. Yeah, I just didn't want to make, the first one I made, I didn't want to, because I normally always differ from the pattern and I really was trying hard to follow directions because I usually end up wasting tons of time 
because I don't follow the directions. Yeah. I'm thinking you went through a lot of trouble to make sure this pattern would work. So perhaps I should follow <laughs> the pattern, you know, basic concept. Yeah, I but mean, you could totally put, put pockets on it easy. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, just, I just designed it like that because I did kind of want it to look like a dress. <laughs> right, right. You know? Yeah, and, and I, I think... I want it, yeah. And when I think that's the part that's really fun is because it does look kind of like a dress, you know. So, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. so yeah. But... Actually, yeah, one of my um, – actually, the first store, the first retail store that carry my patterns is is the fabric store in my hometown in Northern California. Yeah, you posted a picture of that. Of, yeah. They put it in the window. They put it in the window. I was back home visiting for my cousin's wedding, and they put it in the window. It was so – it was so shocking, but I also learned through, uh, and during that visit that um, the young woman who works there, she's actually the daughter of the owner, who's about my age, made the made that apron, the one that, that is in the display in the window, and she wore it as a backless, like a dress, a backless top uh, uh, over jeans. Okay, and I was going to take, I was going to say, she... date, oh, it's <laughs> like smoking, Emmeline apron. <laughs> goodness yeah i haven't done that yet i thought you were going to say she wore it just as a dress with no pants i'm like oh my goodness that's a racy town you come from <laughs> oh wow and i think one of, one of the best like comments that i've had from from one of my customers is is actually i put it on a, as a testimonial on my website is you know i really like your emmeline apron but I, I have one problem with it, and I'm thinking, oh, no, like a typo, what what happened? And then she continues, right? my, when I'm wearing my Emily apron, my husband won't stop chasing me around the house. <laughs> <laughs> How cool. That is so nice. I mean, because I think, you know, and that's so funny because it goes totally, like, the people that are like, why would you wear an apron? It's like, hey, they're pretty hot, these aprons, you know? I mean, I think they're yeah. fantastic. So I think that's that's a great... That's a great uh, testimony, a customer testimony, I have to say. That's, you can't get any better than that, I think. Yeah, that the men are digging the apron, the too. The apron can improve your relationships. Yeah, really. It's cheaper than therapy. Just put on your apron and solve your issues. Yeah, yeah that's really funny. Yeah. That's really funny. And, you know, and it is, it's just a fun pattern. And, um, you know, it's, you know, because my sister is the, the one that I made the apron for. She's very, she's always been way more fashionable than me, both my sisters, in fact. And. Um, when I decided I was going to wear this thing um, to go on a little PBS show that I was invited to do, oh, yeah. um, I showed up, you know, I went home and was staying, I stayed at my parents' house and brought the girls um, so I could go downtown and tape this this show in Detroit. And it was really funny because I said to my sister, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, she's like, so I, I had the apron on and we had gone to the park and I we were doing a little picnic and stuff. And I said, yeah, I don't want to get my blouse dirty because I'm going to go on the show. She's like, what do you mean? Aren't you going to wear your apron? And I'm like, well, I was, but I don't know. It might just be a little over the top. She's like, Jen, you wear an apron all the time. Why would you take it off for the show? And I was so glad that she said that because I almost didn't wear it because I was just like, yeah, this might be a little bit too much for people. And she's like, "Uh, Jen, you don't care about that kind of stuff. Why would you care about it now? I'm like, I don't know. I just not normally on TV, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) So, yeah, she um, saved the day. And so her reward is an apron. That is so awesome. And, and major props, by the way, for going in front of a television camera. <laughs> well, you know, I figured, I mean, I am a very small potato part of this. I just um, I just went on briefly to talk about the podcast. It's a show, <laughs> Knit and Crochet Today. And it, Kristen Nicholas, of course. She's the one who got okay. me involved in the project. And she was there. The crochet dude was there. 
Um, I've interviewed him before, Drew Borski. Yeah, so it was really fun. And yeah, I figured, I guess I, I mean, that's kind of my MO is I usually have running shoes on. I didn't wear running shoes, but I did wear my apron. So I'm kinda, <laughs> I was halfway the, there as far as how I normally look. Well, so this apron, I mean, how much is this pattern? Because it came on the scene in February. And how has your life changed since you introduced the world to the Emmeline apron? Um, well, my life has changed big time because now I'm considering... I mean, really, this has made my, it's, it's a real dream come true. I mean, I mean, I didn't major in art and design or anything like that in college. I never thought that I was going to get into this in any way. Um, but first, it's allowing me to kind of see my, my life play out before me, being able to do something that I really love doing, which is art and craft and creativity. And mm-hmm. like being the artist that I always wanted to be <laughs> from a, you know, time I was a little girl. So that's a big dream in itself. And and the other thing that this kind of opened the door for me to be able to hopefully, I mean, if all goes well, become a mother pretty pretty soon and be able to, you know, stay stay at home, work from home rather with, with my with my children, you know, when my husband's in grad school and living off a of grad school stipend. So, you know, in no way is it like making me rich at all. But it's providing just enough so that I can feel somewhat comfortable making this decision to, you know, I, I'm key lot of change that's coming up to me. I'm, I'm not looking for a job as a Montessori teacher when we move back to, to Durham. And that's a big change for you. You know, it's because a, that's a huge change. Yeah. And I'm going to focus on this pattern business. And I have an, another little kind of project that, that's up my sleeve. <laughs> Involves kind of a book. <laughs> oh, cool. But, um, uh, I'm not sure, like, how much I can say about it at this point. I do have an agent, but that's kind of the project that I'll be looking at this this coming year. Awesome. Um, and so, yeah, just to kind of give give us the freedom to to have to have start a family. And like I said, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, um, you know, we don't have any issues getting pregnant or whatnot because I'm still the kind of person who likes who likes to plan. I like to have a plan, <laughs> and I feel like like a lot of what I've been doing in my life has been working up to this point. I mean, I am so interested in child child development. I, I took my, you know, my Montessori training course and my master's degree and whatnot, like all with the intent of, of becoming the mother. And like, how do I prepare myself to be the best mother that I can be? So, so this is really, you know, what I'm, I'm so looking forward to. And, and I feel really, really blessed at this point in time uh, in my life to to be able to make this kind of decision, like I'm going to be able to work from home, you know? Yeah, that is great. And it's wonderful that you've, you've started this while you had a day job. It takes a little bit of the pressure off since you had another income. You know, you didn't have to try to feel like totally pressured to make this into this wildly successful thing. And the fact that now no. people are really... Fact, like right now, I'm a little conflicted about it because I don't really, um, you know, I haven't done any advertising for, for, my, for my patterns. Like none at all. It's just kind of word of mouth and word of blog, really, mm-hmm. that, that's gotten, gotten it to where it is right now. But I, and I'm conflicted about it because I also don't want this to become something that's so big that, it's, that it, it takes up too much of my time when I'm a, when, you know, when we're a family. Right. Um, I want it to be sort of a moderate thing. I can feel it. I can do, you know, when the inspiration hits, you know, design inspiration hits or whatnot, I can put out a pattern. But it's not like, A, that it's not going to be something that I'm like, I need to do this. So I can eat kind of, right, <laughs> kind right. of a feeling. 
but at the same time, I don't want, like, I don't want to build an Amy Butler empire, you know, like, <laughs> like she is so very successful and, and has so many designs, and I know that she must work just so hard um, to do all of that, and that, you know, that's not what I want. I want to be a really small design studio and and just kind of go with the flow and, and not have it become the focus of my life either. Well, it sounds like you're going to be successful in accomplishing that goal because you're conscious of that now. You know, I think sometimes people push so hard to like, okay, I want to make this into something, I want to make this into something without having those reality checks about, okay, how does this line up with my ultimate goal in life and what I really want to be focused on? And for you, you really want to have time for a family and make that your priority. And so the fact that you're going into it thinking that way, I think is going to really serve you well. So you're being very smart about this. Like, you know, I I, I listen to Anna Anna Maria Horner's interview and I'm like, wow. Yeah, she (laughs) has her hands full. Yeah, she's a superhuman. I, I'm convinced there mm-hmm. must be some sort of um, superpower that she has that I certainly don't think that that I could I could pull off. You know, wow, she has a huge family and and she has this you know very you know wide wide reaching um, design design company. Um, so yeah, I mean like yeah, I think it's good that I'm conscious of that going in. Like I I don't want this to get over my head, um, and you know I want to kind of clean it a little bit. Um, <laughs> But at the same time, you know, I, I don't want to be worrying, having to worry, like, are we going to be able to make our rent payment, you know, this month? So, right. So and to strike a, strike a happy medium is the goal. So it's your next your next pattern. I'm very excited. I, I'm already very excited about this one. I haven't I've seen the pictures, but are you calling that one Lola? If I'm correct, Lola. Yes. Yeah. And the child's version is the Lolita. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. That's actually my favorite. I, as much as I love the M line, the Lola is is hands down my my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I I I love the retro flair about it. Uh, what inspired this design? It was vintage find that that I actually found through my my blogging friend Emily. She, she has uh, her blogs at joyfulabode.com. She has an Etsy store, and she um, gathers these awesome vintage aprons. and And I found it on her store, and I was like. This would be this would make such a great apron pattern, and she's like, "Yes, it would. Let's do it." <laughs> so um, she's like, so she's been um, like, you know, supportive of not of this little design, and and I I have the apron, I have the original apron. I would guess that it was made in the early '60s, um, and and I kind of took that and made a few adjustments and whatnot, like little modern touches, and I designed the. Uh, child version of it to, to go to go with it but it's so fun it's, well they're it's darling although it, it is a bit more of an advanced pattern I, I think that you you would if you don't already work with uh bias taste then then it, it might be a bit of a challenge like you might want to cut a, a a project that that involves a little less bias tape <laughs> yeah there's definitely a lot of bias tape and it looks like some rickrack going on here too yeah there's bias tape and rickrack and but the whole thing is, is basically constructed with bias tape, which gives that its, it's kind of distinctive shape and, and retro flair. Mm-hmm. Um, could you make yeah, Could you make it without the bias tape? It just wouldn't look the same, though. It wouldn't look. You wouldn't have the. Um, yeah, it would take away. The, yeah, it would be a completely yeah. different apron without bias tape. It would totally be a different apron. It would be hard to construct too, because the bias tape is what the, is what's the holding it together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be so, rather yeah. that would be a, an apron that wouldn't last very long. 
but no. <laughs> it would be very dangerous for your um uh, the hometown girl who uh, <laughs> likes to go no, out with those no, in shirts. Not... <laughs> Make sure, honey, that you use the bias tape for this one. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> now, I have to ask you, um, I know we've moved on a little bit from your book that you're talking about. You, you wanna, that's something you want to pursue. Would this be any chance about aprons? Or would it be something completely different? Um, it is not specifically about aging. Okay. It is I'm... about, well, I guess I can tell you what it's about, right? It's hard to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> um, it, I have this idea um, to, to write a book that's about applique. Oh, cool. And, and, and kind of like a how-to instructional manual. I've had to kind of piece together, like, how do I do this? From, from so many different sources and, like, really, really, really old books from, like, the, <laughs> the 70s, 60s. Um, and, and, like, applique, I feel like, hasn't had its, its, its day in the spotlight yet as, as a method. Um, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of crochet, a lot of, I mean, even, even embroidery now, you know, with Jimmy Hart and Kristen Nicholas, they're bringing, bringing embroidery out to the front, mm-hmm. but... I feel like um, what I have in me right now is to write a, an applique book. Which, that would be perfect. Which have like sewing projects that are sewing projects like 25 or so is what I'm thinking of that could totally stand on their own, like basic you know sewing patterns and funky projects and whatnot. But but also like give detailed instruction on how to make how to make uh, your sewn garment or your sewn you know bag or whatever personalized. And because I feel like that's a lot of people feel like, you know, sewing, well, I, I just have to learn how to read a pattern. And like that's, so I, you're basically reproducing what the pattern says. And, and where, yes, there's to, you know, choose your fabrics and to, you know, add a little embellishment here or there. Like applique is, is such a, a, an original artistic sort of uh, way to, you know, to personalize your project and to let the artist in you come out while you're sewing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's what, what is kind of exciting me about that, uh, about this book idea. And like I said, like, I have an agent. I'm working on the proposal right now. Um, and then she'll sh- kind of shop it around to some of the, the craft publishers. Yeah, well, good luck with that. And I'm glad to hear that you're going to do this is your subject because I actually was just in the library yesterday looking for, I'm doing a lot of piece work lately and that has an element that has an element of um you can use some of these things as applique um and i found that i found the same thing like you can't find any good information in one source like one-stop shopping for applique so i think you're on to something i think that's wonderful and i look forward to you'll have to come back and talk about this project when you um when it's about to come out because i do have faith that this is going to really come out because um you're very talented and i think that uh Hopefully the publishers that listen, and I know some of you listen out there, um, <laughs> will give you, you'll contact you after this. So that'd be wonderful to see that. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, to tell you honestly, I don't really have time to write a proposal right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's one of those things where I have a bunch of ideas that bouncing around my head too. And then when I sit down and I look at all the things, because I pretty much, um, like today's my day off, but I'm going to go to this, try to. T- stop in on this fashion show and do all these, you know, try to, 
because I'm really trying to do what I can to promote the arts. I'm teaching a, a workshop on paper piecing on Tuesday night. And I mean, these are just gigs that I do. I try and get the public organized. It's all free and people come out and just have a good time. And so I'm doing what I can to forward the craft, um, kind of promote the arts. But um, what, my projects kind of go to the wayside when I <laughs> when I do that. But uh, yeah. You know, have you, have you found when you're kind of out there with your craft that, that it's harder to find time to, 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 to do, you know, original craft? It is harder. I'm always multitasking, it seems like. But, yeah, I do find that, like, when I go to craft club, I start a craft club here, and when I go and I'm trying to lead the meetings – Everyone else is getting craft done, like working on their projects. A lot of times I'm kind of in an organizational role, so it's not, yeah, it's not ideal. And, it, you know, I'm sure that the more you get your name out there with your patterns and if you go to shows and so forth, you have less time than to be creative and come up with new things. But it sounds like you've kind of come up with a plan for that, too, to just, you know, the fact that you're not going to be looking for a day job, you know, is going to help yeah. you, you know. Yeah, so, yeah no, I think that will make a big difference. Like after the, the whole move, which is going to be, quite an adventure in of itself to, to um, move two cats and a piano and a truckload of, of stuff across the, the um, Mexico-Texas border. <laughs> it's going to be a different life. Like, apart from the, just the general, like, culture shock of being back in the United States where you have, like, the most incredible water pressure, like, it's... it's <laughs> 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 there are all of these little things. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, you know... Um, water pressure that actually hurts when you turn on <laughs> the faucet and, you know, like all, even all of the eco stuff that's going on, the movement, you know, recycling and all that, that, that I don't see down here in a rural town. It's going to be a big difference. And like, I'm going to have my own little craft room, my little studio. I'm totally excited to set up. Right now, my husband and I, both of us have our little spaces in our one room where we also sleep. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, so it's going to be a big thing. About it. Well, it's going to be fun to watch your blog, to hear about these changes, and watch you develop, too, as you grow your business and, or decide not to grow it, you know, either one, and work on your book projects yeah. and all that. It's, I think it's really wonderful, and um, I don't know, I mean, do you have any, any comments or any, just in what you've learned so far, because, I mean, since February, this is really, things have really taken off for you, and, you know, if, if books in your future, and more patterns, and all these exciting things, I mean, what is it um, that you've learned so far that any advice you have for other people that might be on the verge of greatness themselves? <laughs> um, well, if you're, if you're a designer, you know, you have ideas floating around in your head. The first thing I would suggest is to really, well, you know, you have a blog and you kind of put your designs and your ideas out there and see what kind of response you get from them. But apart from that, there's really no risk to, in offering downloadable PDFs of your designs and your patterns. And that's, that's how I started out. And I fi found it to be a really like low-pressure, virtually no investment other than your, your own time way to, to see if you have kind of a viable idea and to see what kind of interest is out there. Now, I'm really, really lucky because I have ki my husband's kind of a techie person, and he was able to help me with you know, the learning the Adobe InDesign and, you know, the, the Illustrator, all of those Adobe suites. So you can actually make the patterns. Have. Yeah. Yeah. And the designing of the, the, the website and whatnot is all, is all in his basket of tricks, which he has so many. I'm so grateful. I, I don't know what I'd do without him. Actually, I probably wouldn't even have started this thing because he's the one who suggested to me, hmm, you know, you kind of have this fabric habit. Why don't you, you know, sell us something um, to the 
fabric habit. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of how the, the whole idea started. But yeah, so just start off with a PDF, offering a downloadable PDF and see where it goes from there. I mean, I, I um, found it to be really, really, really helpful, like contacting other independent, you know, small designers um, to ask questions about like, well, what, what kind of, you know, what printer do you use? How many how, you know, how much is this going to cost? All those kind of basic questions. And I totally welcome um, anyone who has questions like that to, to, you know, shoot me off an email because I'm, I mean, I realize that I, I wouldn't have known what in the world to do if, if other people hadn't have helped me along the way. So, you know, if anyone has an idea and, and wants to, you know, ask, you know, technical questions or whatever I'm I definitely there and willing to help well that's really nice of you to offer that because I'm sure there are people that are wondering you know well I, I know that the PDF idea I think it's wonderful because like you said you don't have to make a big investment because I'm assuming that you can't just print off 10 copies of your pattern how I mean what's oh. the s- smallest number you can print off at a time smallest number is a thousand. Oh my goodness wow uh, that's a lot of so. patterns yeah it's, you know, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty big investment. For me, I'm still only just printing off uh, rounds of thousand patterns because my dear sweet dad, who thought he retired a few years ago, um, he was an engineer, is, is now coming out of retirement. He printed off all my patterns. Oh, he does. <laughs> what does he, 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 what does he yeah. do for the patterns? He, he, well, I process all the patterns here on, you know, through my email in Mexico. Okay. And then I make up only labels. And send them to him, <laughs> and you know, make up the packing slips and send them. To him. He prints those off. He packs everything up and takes it to the mailbox, mailbox, etc., or the post office or wherever. And um, yeah, that's what he does. You know, the 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 only disadvantage really of of this whole situation is that you know he doesn't he doesn't ask his employer's uh, permission when he goes vacation. <laughs> uh, and you're just like, oh no. So, like, Tomorrow he's headed off to go fishing in Montana with his friends, so so there will be a little bit of a lag in you know getting the pads out. But you know that you 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 have uh, your pros and cons. Um, right. But, but well, my dad is so sweet, and he's just doing this all just to help out. I and he said, well, yeah, I'll, I'll agree to do this, but and you know for no pay, but uh, you know I, I'd like a, I'd like to to get a grandchild out of it if, if at all possible. Uh, <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> And so that's funny. So he doesn't want much. He just wants a grandchild. No pressure. Yeah. My goodness. That's funny. Well, and it sounds like, um, you know, this has worked out well because you have him to be willing to do that because it's no small task getting everything no, mailed no out. And, and, and like the shipments, I mean, they're just boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of patterns that, that have taken over an entire room in my parents' house. <laughs> no, they're very kind. They're very, very, very kind. So are you, do, do your parents it's, live? So are everyone you, knows. What's that? Well, I was going to ask you, are you moving? Do your parents live where you're going to be moving in town? or are they No. No, no my parents are in California. And, oh, okay. They're you know, um, in California where I grew up. And, um, yeah, so that the hope is that I'll probably be doing a, a sale next year pretty soon. The hope is that we can get as, as much of the inventory that's at my parents' house kind of sold and out so, so we don't have to ship it again back to me in, in uh, North Carolina when... Uh, so then I'll be doing all, all of the processing and packing myself. Well, Meg, it's been absolutely wonderful to talk to you. So I thank you. A special thanks to Meg for being just such a great guest and for sharing the story of how Montessori by Hand evolved into So Liberated. 
Meg, if you listen to this before you cross the border, you should totally, totally cross the border in an Emmeline apron or the Lola, if that's your favorite. You should totally do that. So anyway, Meg, it was great to talk to you. And thanks for donating some patterns. We're going to have multiple winners. So enter this contest. You, you won't regret it. So if you want to win this pattern, just log on to craftsanity.com and underneath the post for episode 80, post a comment. Tell me a story about your favorite apron or maybe the apron your grandma wore. Maybe you have a racy apron story. Um, just try to you know, keep it for general audiences, please. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, I, the sky's the limit. You know, Just tell me a story as opposed to just um, a great show. I can't wait to win the pattern. Um, <laughs> um, we want to hear some stories here. I want to thank the sponsors, the Montreal Craft Mafia. This is a new organization, and uh, they're very kind to sponsor this episode of Craft Sanity. They want you to know about their Friends of Bazaar. It's coming up on June 21st and 22nd. If I had a private jet, I would fly there to check this out because it sounds really cool. It's going to be 60 crafters and artists, and they're going to have all kinds of great stuff for you guys to check out. So those who are in the Montreal area or planning a little weekend getaway, you're in luck. If you want to know more information about the Montreal Craft Mafia or their, the events they're going to be planning, head over to www.craftmafiamontreal.com. If you want some information about sponsoring an upcoming episode of Craft Sanity, click over on the website. There's a sponsor link with some information. And if you have any questions, just send. There's an email address there where you can uh, send an email. Uh, I think it's sponsor at craftsanity.com. And you'll be dealing with Jeff. Jeff is handling all the sponsorships. And I'm really grateful to those who have sponsored shows and have we have some sponsorships lined up, and that's really exciting. It's validation for me to think that people actually think this is worth their time and money. So I appreciate that. It's very exciting. It helps me continue to um, fuel my little pipe dream here. And uh, we'll see how this shakes out for all of us because we really are all in the same boat. We have these crafty ideas and aspirations and it sure is fun to be part of all this and to talk to people who are in the same boat that I'm in and you know just kind of run my little indie podcast and uh, shine the light on all of you indie folks out there who are doing your crafty thing so and if you have any suggestions for upcoming shows uh, please send those my way I have a huge list that I keep going back to so if you sent suggestions it's okay to send them again Feel free to contact me about anything else. I'm still trying to blog as often as I can. So if you guys are doing anything cool or you got a cool tutorial you want to share, uh, let me know about it. And, uh, you know, I'll uh, see what I can do to get some traffic your way. Okay, so without further ado, I'm going to, I got to get out of here. I got to stop talking so Jeff can help me get this thing posted. You guys take care. I'll be back real soon with another episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast. In the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Thanks for listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast with Jennifer Ackerman Haywood. Visit CraftSanity.com for more information about today's guests and links to subscribing to the podcast. Want to support the show? Follow the link to vote for Craft Sanity on Podcast Alley once a month. You can also make a donation or buy goods at the Craft Sanity store. Have a suggestion for a future guest or have other feedback? Email Jennifer at CraftSanity.com. Thanks again for listening to Craft Sanity. So, I want to thank you all for hanging out for this episode of Craft Sanity. And, yeah, I apologize. There was a little bit of a delay. Um, we had the coming off the Father's Day weekend, and Jeff and I 
Jeff is the man behind the curtain here at CraftSanity.com. He's uh, the man who helps make this show happen. He actually uh, is the one who encouraged me to do this, uh, my lovely husband, Jeff. And uh, I don't know if he'd feel like, like being called lovely, but um, it's not normally how I refer to him. Um, but <laughs> uh, he's fantastic. And um, we just celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary last Thursday. So, um, yeah, it's been a long time that we've been together, and uh, I love him more each day. And uh, I just want to say thank you to him because um, had he not, you know, had we not, our paths not crossed in this, you know, crazy world that we live in, um, there a lot of things wouldn't have happened. I mean, I wouldn't have the two beautiful children that I have, and I wouldn't have, I definitely wouldn't have this podcast because this is not something that I would have embarked on on my own. And, uh, so, yeah, so this is, it's worked out beautifully, and, uh, we got a chance to go, uh, out for a lovely meal on Thursday. We kind of dined like the rich people do. It was kind of crazy, and we made it through the meal <laughs> without hyperventilating into, like, brown paper bags about how much it was costing, because it was a little bit, you know, we normally are, like, kind of peanut butter and jelly kind of people, and the Subway turkey wrap. I actually split that with somebody. I don't even eat the whole thing. Not because I'm cheap. It's just because I'm trying not to overeat. But, um, yeah, so we don't normally go to really nice restaurants. And we did, and we had a great time. I mean, it was. I could see how people would want to eat like that every day. But, yeah, I can't really afford that. And, uh, you know, I just really don't fit into that whole the high-class society. That's just not my thing. I'm more of a corduroy and denim, PB&J kind of girl and I don't see that ever changing so anyway we got to have a taste of the the upper how the upper crust live for an evening and that was fun but thank you very much I'd like to keep my life just the way it is and uh then we went kayaking on uh Saturday and Sunday so we um invested in a couple kayaks and we know that we will not under normal circumstances be able to use these very often but it was kind of nice to be out there, feel like a boat owner, even though these are like the cheapest boats you can buy. <laughs> and we're not even in the same boat because we got these single kayaks. And uh, it was kind of funny. We were the only people on the lake in like man-powered boats like or woman-powered boats. <laughs> Everybody else is out in their pontoon boats and their, you know, nice sailboats and bigger speed boats and so forth. But I was happy as a clam on my little my little kayak because I kept thinking, geez, these people are drinking beers and stuff and not burning any calories. What a shame that is, you know. <laughs> so I was quite proud of myself that, you know, I was going around the lake under my own power. And uh, Jeff seemed to enjoy himself too. So it's our hope that we'll be able to, um, you know, when we can, and the rare opportunities where we have uh, someone watching our children, uh, we're going to try to sneak off to a body of water close by. And thankfully in Michigan, there's a lot of water, a lot of lakes around here. And uh, we have a couple, you know, one about 15 minutes to the north and another about a half hour to the south. And then we have Lake Michigan, which is probably um, a little less than an hour away. So we're in, I think we'll get some use out of these things, probably more so as our kids grow. And then we'll be buying two more kayaks so we can get Abby and Amelia out there with us. So I'm excited about that. And, yeah, I'm still trying to train for a triathlon. Um, I need to still, I have a bike now and I've been swimming. I still need to find a wetsuit and whatever people wear under the wetsuit. Cause I know you have to have something on cause if you run out of the water and you forget your suit and you're tearing off your wetsuit, 
yeah, that would just be such an humiliating experience for me that I could possibly die if that happened to me. Um, I don't know if my heart could take it. And <laughs> poor spectators, my goodness, my skin is so pale that I would probably cause some uh, some other people to either go blind or, you know, cardiac arrest, who knows. It would just be a bad situation. So I need to do a little research and find out um, the best thing to wear under a wetsuit that you can bike and run in. I will tell you, those folks, those of you out there who are thinking about doing a triathlon, don't ever wear a Speedo under a pair of bike shorts and then run four miles. Let me just tell you, it's not a good idea. I did it. I will never do it again. <laughs> I mean, the things I'm learning, I, I, I just have, you know, it's I'm trying to, I'm kind of going it on my own here. I haven't been able to, um, it seems to be very mysterious. The Y, there's one of the local YMCA's in town has a tri team. Now, I emailed the guy and said, yeah, can you tell me, you know, when you guys meet? And he said, oh, it's on the website. Get on the website. Can't find a darn thing, you know, um, about it. So I'm just kind of like, well, that's wonderful, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I'm a journalist and I can't figure this out. So, I mean, honestly, I haven't put that much effort into it, but it's mildly annoying. So I'm just trying to, you know, kind of do my thing and keep my, you know, get my exercise in. And it's, um, so far it's going okay.